this episode. And with me co-hosting this session is Mike Adams, head of our StoryPath Sales. Hi, Mike. Thanks, Mark. Hey. Global Vice President of Sales for Mars. Welcome to the podcast, James. The small independent retailers in countries like India through to the, the giants like Walmart, Tesco and Amazon. And I realized the reason they were there was not really because they wanted chocolate, because they liked talking to us and they liked hearing the stories that we had to tell. Do you know what? There's something in these stories. <laughs> so storytelling is not just a waste of business time, James. <laughs> Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm in the chair this week, Mark Schenk. Sean is on a little break. And with me co-hosting this session is Mike Adams, head of our Story Powered Sales. Hi, Mike. Thanks, Mark. Hey. Now, we've decided to mix it up a little bit. And instead of just the, uh, you know, the normal format of we'll share a business story, we'll talk about why it works and how to apply it, we're going to get some senior executives to talk about their experiences with story. And we'll do this about once a month. And the very first uh, victim, uh, uh, guest, uh, is James Mills, who is Global Vice President of Sales based in Chicago for Mars. Now, James started his career selling chocolates in a chocolate shop in London. And he's now, after traveling through many places in the world, he's now based in Chicago and, uh, as I say, Global Vice President of Sales for Mars. Welcome to the podcast, James. Thanks, James. Delighted to be here. Hey, James. So what does what does a global vice president of sales do? That's a great question. I think a lot, a lot of people ask that. I think the job of a global vice president of sales in a, in a business like Mars, and it's Mars Wrigley that I represent, not Mars Pet Care, um, <laughs> is, uh, is essentially my job is three things. One, to build the capability of our sales organization. Two, to try and be the, the voice of the customer into our strategy. And three, to help shape our strategy so that it, it meets the needs of our customers around the world, from the small independent retailers in countries like India through to the, the giants like Walmart, Tesco, and Amazon. Ah, fantastic. Fantastic. So well, look, we'll get underway. And as you know, the objective is to, uh, to use story to communicate a few key concepts. So I wonder if you would kind of give us a bit of an insight into how you got started with this. You know, when did you first realize that story was a, uh, a useful thing in business? Well, it's a great question. I mean, and you mentioned a few minutes ago that I, I started as a, a store manager of a, a chocolate shop in London. I won't mention it because it's a it's a competitor of Mars Wrigley these days. But uh, it was a, a luxury chocolate store and not the kind of place that um, had that much traffic. So building our sales was really important. And without knowing it, it was kind of my first job from school. I, I hired people that I enjoyed being around and I enjoyed talking to and in the quiet times we would uh, we'd share some stories and some jokes amongst ourselves and um, after a while I realized that we were seeing the same faces coming back to the store uh, during the day you know we'd see the the, the mums who dropped their kids at school the dads on their lunch breaks the mums on their lunch breaks and uh, and I realized they were coming in and there were some people who always come in when I was on shift. Some people who'd come in when some of my team were on shift. And I realized the reason they were there was 
not really because they wanted chocolate, but because they liked talking to us and they liked hearing the stories that we had to tell. And that first year that I was store manager, we grew sales by 82% off the back of that. Um, and I guess that was the moment when I realized, you know what, there's something in these stories. <laughs> so storytelling is not just a waste of business time, James. <laughs> No, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people think it is though, Mike, and I think yeah. they're wrong. I think, you know, humans communicate in stories and they have done for centuries. And, you know, business is all about communication, whether you're talking outside to your customers, you're talking inside to your fellow associates. And storytelling is probably one of the most valuable things I think you can do in business. Not everybody agrees with me and maybe not everybody enjoys my stories, but I'm not going to stop telling them. Yeah, it's wonderful. There's a line. There's a line in one of the stories that Mark tells about one of our biggest pieces of business with anecdote, and he talks about going to meet a senior leader in New York, and she said, "I can only give you thirty minutes." And Mark says, "And ninety minutes later, <laughs> we had a deal." It's <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> indicative of time in stories, isn't it? <laughs> I and I, I mean, in sales. That is, I mean, that is almost like Mark's story there. That's the dream. I think, you know, with sales, so often you get, I'll only give you 30 minutes. That's and it. If you can get people interested and hooked into what it is you want to talk to them about, then time suddenly becomes more flexible. That's right. And away you go. You're talking about important things. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I really love that story. And because it's so versatile, right? Because, you know, you've got a, you know, you've got a global sales force and just such a simple way of making a point about the importance of relationships. You know, people buy from people they like. Yes. So folks invest in that. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I think, I think in sales, increasingly that human factor is going to become a differentiator. And Mars is a company that really invests in people. We love people. We talk about associates. We're a family business still. And uh, I was sharing with both of you before we kicked off, I moved house last week and um, I, I, I had trouble transferring my internet from my old house to my new house. And uh, I was trying to get somebody on the phone to help me. And I was literally jumping up and down on an empty packing box shouting, just give me a human to talk to. <laughs> I'd love to name the culprit company on this podcast, but I don't think that would be appropriate. But um, <laughs> I, And I think, you know, increasingly in a world where you know, so many people are resorting to these, these AIs and voice recognition and you do everything online. The power of a human being is going to be even more impactful when you deploy it the right way with a great story. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. All right. I wonder if you would share some of the things, some of the stories that you use, some of the things that, that have happened to you that you find particularly memorable and in, you know, start anywhere, no particular order. Oh, well, I mean, what, one of the stories I, I, I always enjoyed telling, um, and it's, it's a big part of, I think, our offering as a business today. You know, we, we talk about we want to be an inclusive and diverse culture that's welcoming because it's a I'm sure you guys find it as well. Finding people today is one of the toughest things in this post-COVID world that we're operating in. And one of the things we think we have as an advantage is that focus on people. And um 
and diversity. Now, you know, from a background perspective, I'm about as undiverse as you can get a middle-aged white male. But from a personality perspective, I think I have a, a good story to tell about how inclusive and welcoming Mars is of difference, and also how important difference is in business about being yourself. Uh, and the, the story that I, I like to tell to bring this to life is very many years ago when I was working in my home country of the UK, was managing one of the big customers for, for Mars uh, at the time, a, a large uh, buying group that uh, was very big in uh, the confectionery space. And uh, for, my dress sense has always been quirky. You're not seeing the best of it today. It's very you know professional business casual for some reason i think it's probably because i watched way too much miami vice as a kid in the 80s i felt strangely drawn to a white linen suit on sale in burton's and then i decided i was going to use this at work um so i i put this on and the, the first time i wore it i went to see this customer in this little market town which was quite a staid quiet place in in rural britain uh, and i walked in to see the buyer uh, took my seat in the chair opposite him as, as you do and uh, said hang on a minute and he picked up his phone now normally what happens when a buyer picks up a, a, a phone they're calling up to the buying director or to a colleague and when you're my side of the desk as a supplier that often means you're you're about to get into some hot water because the the big gun is going to come downstairs and uh, you know ask you for more investment uh, stronger promotions maybe there's a supply problem or a quality issue they want to raise with you uh, so i was sitting there feeling increasingly nervous while i waited for this guy to come down the door opens and he walks in and uh, the buyer said to the, the buying director, who at that point I didn't know very well, I said, I just want you to see what the guy from Mars is wearing. Um, <laughs> and they all had a good laugh. Uh, and I, I laughed a lot as well, which I think is important. You shouldn't take yourself too seriously. But the purpose of the story really is um, the as a result of that, the senior guy never forgot me always remembered me um and whenever there was a conference you know you'd have all the big uh, cpg fmcg companies lined up png unilever coca-cola mars everybody wants to you know uh, glad hand the senior guys and, and try and push their agenda he'd always come and talk to me because he remembered me as the guy in the white suit so i think the moral of the story is don't be afraid to be yourself and diversity matters and being different is a good thing in all sorts of ways <laughs> that's a that's a tremendous story and and so you share that with your teams and uh, as an yes. illustration yeah yeah, yeah. I, I definitely share that with my teams as an illustration i i you know i i think you know it's a it's a serious world so you know bringing a bit of levity into people's lives at the moment is a is a good thing but also it's a it's an increasingly uncertain world and you know figuring out how things are going to go nobody knows and what the only thing we do know is that you know everything we've always done is probably not going to be the right solution for all the new problems we face so the more i can encourage people to be different think different behave different the better the business results that i think are going to come off the back of that yeah fantastic I mean, it's every story we tell about ourselves reveals something about ourselves, and it's, that story certainly reveals uh, your character to your team. And uh, 
yeah, I think it gives them permission to 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 be themselves. That's a great example of a, a connection story and a story that did some serious good work for you. Yeah, yeah. it did. Yeah, and I can imagine people much more willing, uh, confident, comfortable to come up and uh, you know, and say stuff to you and you know, broach ideas and maybe sound like, hey, I want to run this wacky idea past you, James. <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, seriously, Mark, I think you're spot on. I think, um, and I think it's, you know, the more you encourage, and particularly the more senior you get, the more people realise that you're human and you're approachable and you've made mistakes and done stupid things in your career, the more willing they are to take risks, make mistakes themselves, which I think are important. And as you rightly say, the more comfortable they are to come and tell you what they really think. And if you don't know what people are really thinking, it's, it's pretty hard to do business with them. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting from a... Um, teaching salespeople perspective, because you know, I like to say in sales that we have three fundamental problems. And the very first one is connecting and building trust. If you, if you don't get past that one, you don't get to the next problem, which is introducing a change agenda, right? And the last one, which is getting them to sign the contract, right? So the first problem, connect and build trust. And it's, it's such a beautiful example of you know, how to go about that. I really like it. Thank you. Yeah. And I, and I think it's also, I think, um, I think, humility vulnerability is a really important thing as well in that like it's so easy to fall into the trap of of when you're the boss thinking you have to have the answers and most of the time you don't you just have to have a great team there and that feels confident to bring the answers to you so i think that leveling of the uh, of the playing field is a good thing to do as well yeah the the, the status play is non-connecting isn't it we don't really connect with people that aren't on a kind of status level so that's a, that's how not to connect when you do that yes yeah. yes yeah. very much yeah love it <laughs> cool so any others that come to mind well on a more serious note um another one i i i turn i guess in a global job you know i've got a very diverse team of of nationalities and cultures that that work directly for me. You know, I've got people in the, from the Middle East, I've got people from Europe, people from North America. Um, and then obviously our, our global sales organization around the world is, you know, it's pretty reflective of the diversity of the world out there. We, we operate in so many different countries. And one of the stories I, I do like to tell is about the importance of understanding cultural nuance and and how hard it can be to get that cultural nuance because people aren't going to explain it to you. The only way you kind of figure it out is through, through experience, through listening and through empathy. And a, a story I like to tell is when I, when I first moved to Mexico and I, uh, I went to Mexico with Mars uh, very much to develop, you know, one of my technical areas of specialism, which is category management, category leadership. Uh, and I had a team there that, um, was already working in the category space and uh, I, I maybe made the assumption but also you know having talked to the people a bit I figured they were reasonably skilled in the space so I asked one of the guys to do a project for a customer um, and he said yeah see Hefe you know, yes boss uh, and uh, sent him off to do it. A couple of weeks later, I said, well, I haven't seen anything from this individual for for a while. Um, let me check in with him or her. And uh, and uh, I said, you know, how's it all going? You, you, you're all right? Yeah, all good. 
CFA, no problem. I'll be, be with you in a couple of days. Okay, fair enough. Two more weeks go by, nothing shows up. So at that point, I I, I, I brought the associate in, sat them down and said, okay, look, what's going on here? You know, I was expecting this a couple of weeks ago, haven't seen anything. You help me understand. And they basically at that point came clean and said, you know, in, in, in Mexico, you don't really say no to your boss. It's not really the done thing. And I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel uh, that I could say no to you. But the honest answer is, I don't know how to do it. Um, <laughs> and coming from Britain, you know, that that it wouldn't happen in the UK. If you, if you, you ask somebody to do something they don't know, they, they're pretty soon going to tell you, okay, yeah, well, I'll give it a go, but you're going to have to help me. Um, and, it, you know, that to me is a great example of, of, um, of cultural difference and how important it is to understand the culture that you're operating in, those unwritten rules. And it's, that's lived with me since as I've, I've gone on in. To, to global and regional roles, you know, always try and understand as much as you can about the culture you're going to work with, because otherwise you won't get that quality communication you need. <laughs> End up yes. making some some big mistakes if you don't uh, don't understand some of those things. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. What, what a great story to tell when you're maybe meeting a new team for the first time. Like you know, you have permission to tell me you know when you don't understand what's going on or when you're not sure you know it's a, yeah fantastic yeah it is, i mean it is really useful and um in fact i was i was doing a, a town hall on friday for uh, one of our regions um where there are you know they are five or six different nations working together as a team i told exactly that story on you know, I think that I think the question I got asked is something like, "What tips would you give us to work better as a team, or something like that?" And that was the story I told. Mm. Yeah, and that's one of the real secrets of storytelling. I think is that when we we use our best stories over and over again, right? So there's a real Pareto effect of stories. You know, you might have a hundred stories, but you've got a few that you know you can use in different situations, and that's uh, that's a uh, it's a good thing to know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very good. That story reminds me of, um, can't help but throw one in. I, I went back to Sydney. I've been working in Asia. I've been in Indonesia and Malaysia and um, in telecommunications companies. And um, my cousin was in Sydney and she wanted to take me to a Thai restaurant with some of her friends. And we were on Parramatta Road, which is a very long road in Sydney. And we found a Thai restaurant and she wasn't sure she was at the right restaurant. And there was a, a demure Thai hostess lady there. And my cousin Sue said, um, um, is this the only Thai restaurant on Parramatta Road here? And of course, the Thai, the Thai lady said, yes. And I put my hand on my shoulder to see where she was going. I said, yeah, are there any other Thai restaurants on this street? And she said, yes. <laughs> okay, you, you, the, the no answer was never going to come out of this lady's lips. I didn't have to know that. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, just in the conversation, James, it's that not only are you using stories, but the, as you talk about them, it shows the listeners that you use them in business settings. And so that's a, such a, a good thing. Is there any advice that you would give to listeners? You know, imagine, you know, the, the, the audience is a bunch of leaders working in a whole bunch of different industries around the world. Any advice you give them about this thing called story? That's a great question. I, I think I think the advice I'd give them is uh, is probably two things. One, 
yeah, I think the story has to serve a purpose to illustrate a point. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I think if you, if you just tell in the story for the sake of it, I mean, that could be a great way of building relationships as we were talking about earlier. And there's no, nothing wrong with that. But I think if, um, if you're talking to a group and you, you've got a subject in hand and the story doesn't, clearly relate or you're not able to draw the line i think one of the things you guys talk about is you know at the end of telling the story you, you kind of need to wrap it up and 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 bring home what's the point of it yeah. i think if you don't do that then you can leave people a bit confused you can lose the message and then i think the other thing is where you're telling stories like the white suit one you've got to be doubly careful that you reinforce the point of why you've told it because otherwise the story itself can be what people remember which isn't a bad thing you know even in this in the case of that story it certainly makes people remember you as an individual but that may not be what you want people to take out of it or may that that may not be exclusively what you want people to take out of it so you've got to deploy some of those stories with caution in the right settings and you've got to be clear why you're choosing to tell them yeah excellent that's great advice yeah that's great yeah it's uh, yeah, so, so interesting in sales settings telling stories and, and what what i've been focusing on much more recently is is what I call the handover. So you, you tell a story about yourself and you go, well, enough about me. What, what about you? And getting this sort of exchange of stories happening because I think that's just so brilliant for what sales trainers like to call discovery, but what it really is is kind of getting to know what's really happening in both organisations. And that sort of sharing mode, I think, is, is the nirvana of, for a sales guy, really. Yeah, well, that's a great point, Mike. I mean, I actually think... You know, maybe in this regard, I, I wouldn't hold myself up as the, the best the best salesperson. I think the really best salespeople are the people who get their, the other side of the table doing all the talking and telling their stories. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because as you, as you said, I think, you know, business, particularly the type of business we're in, it, this is not like it's not like uh, like your old business, uh, Mark. Where you, if you're selling planes to the Australian government, it's, <laughs> it's about one big deal, and that deal pays your mortgage for the next five years. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a, a one and done type thing. You know, when you're selling Snickers bars or packs of Orbit, and it's an ongoing relationship you're trying to build. And the more you understand the customer's business the more that you, you're able to provide them with solutions through your products and services that meet their needs. So getting yeah. them to talk, and I, I mean, and I still do this all the time, the, the very first five, 10 minutes of every meeting, I will always just ask, the customer how how's it going you know what's going on and sometimes they'll talk about their moving house sometimes they'll talk and that tells you a bit about you know where they are and maybe they're going to be a bit more sensitive and you know maybe today's not the day to have a big fight with them about something um or maybe they'll tell you something about what's going on in the business maybe tell you about some of the tensions they're having with their colleagues then you're thinking, okay, well, how can I help them solve some of those through what I, I'm trying to do with my business and my brands? And I, I, I talked about, you know, category management being an area that's been long been a passion point of mine for sales. And I think that's all about partnership. That's all about, you know, bringing two businesses together to better serve the needs of a shopper. 
and to really build partnerships you've got to understand the other business and yeah. stories listening to stories is probably in some ways even more powerful than telling them but sometimes you've got to tell your own to get the other side to want to tell theirs yeah you know um i often would say like you know if, if you could do the sales job by just asking a series of simple questions and getting the answer then you're not needed <laughs> we can yeah. we can use ebay for that to really um Serious sales that needs people involves two organizations understanding each other. And it's a kind of a necessary back and forth. And that idea that we could tell a story to get a story and get a conversation going that helps us each understand each other, I think is such a powerful concept in, in sales. It's really not, not well understood. I think a lot of yes. people luck into it, maybe that, you know, get good at it, but it's, it's really not well understood. Yeah, but fantastic. And, uh... you're talking about. And I think I kind of lucked into it, um, you know, through that time in retail. It was literally something that, you know, I, I did naturally. I, I always enjoyed, always enjoyed telling stories. Always enjoyed hearing good stories. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, true. retail, particularly that kind of high-end retail where it takes time and you have a bit of a relationship with the shopper. It's a great place to do that. And I just fell into it by luck. Yeah. yeah and yeah, uh, what, a, what a brilliant insight to leave our audience mark yeah and and exactly so um you in the in the course of this podcast have told three four five different stories including stories about how you've used it and so somewhere along the line you've acquired this skill and i know that uh, yeah we worked together a few years ago um but you you use it kind of consciously and deliberately and and to great effect and you're now you know vice global vice president of sales for a huge company why don't more people what are the barriers why aren't people confident to use this thing called story that's a great question i, I think um i think there's probably two reasons i think i think it comes back to that point of being yourself i think you know people a lot of people try and put barriers up between them their private self and their business self and that means they feel reluctant to kind of tell stories because inherently as we talked about through the course of this podcast stories reveal something about the person telling them and i i think in sales that's a that's a very you're probably in the wrong job if you you're not able to bring some of your real self to the relationship um and then I think the other reason is that, that that people, you know, they're so busy trying to get to the end point. You know, they've got a sales target on their back or they've got an objective for the negotiation that they 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 feel like it's wasted time and they you know they want to get to right. Here's the numbers behind this. And it, from a sales perspective, again, they're forgetting the like it doesn't matter what it costs if the person doesn't want to buy it intellectually and emotionally then you know they're not going to buy you, you can make it as cheap as you like you can have the best possible negotiation but if the person doesn't want it then you're starving before you even start and i think people the pressure of getting the job done takes them away from investing the time in some of the most critical things that are needed to get the job done but they they can't see it Mm -hmm. that's yeah. right yeah yeah um, one of the things i try to coach is to is to change the objective of the call if you change your objective if your objective is i have to sign the deal <laughs> that that 
that of course passes itself directly to the client in a lot of subtle ways. But if the objective is, I really want to get their story, I really want to understand what's happening, all sorts of possibilities open up, you know, and it's yes. uh, it's a mind change about what it is you're trying to do. And uh, yeah, it's wonderful. That's a, that's a great way of characterizing it. And I think, you know, I would, I'd endorse everything you said and um, any success I've been lucky enough to have as a salesperson has come from, I, again, I think I was just lucky. I'm nosy about people. I'm curious about people. So it's quite easy for me to go in and, and waste time in inverted commas, finding out where the other person is at. And, you know, that's probably a, you know, a really great takeaway for anybody listening to this that's interested in a career in sales. If you're not interested in people, you're not willing to invest time in learning about that other person and their challenges professionally, at least, then you're probably not going to make it. There are some this... great jobs in finance for you. Yeah, there are, yeah there's some great jobs in finance. <laughs> Designing the AI system for the internet exactly. companies. That's a great job for you. So that, that, is a beautiful place to uh, to round out the the, the podcast episode, um, and for everyone listening, right? This is this episode is a great example of how successful people use this thing called story, and that uh, hopefully it gives you some confidence that everybody can do this, and it's a it, it's simply a different way of thinking about communication. So thank you so much for sharing your insights, James. It's been terrific and terrific to see you again. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for thanks for, for giving me the space to come and, and talk about it. It's been a joy to be here. And, um, you know, if you're a different person, you fancy wearing a white suit, then there's, there's a home for you. <laughs> and uh, thanks, Mike, for also being here. And I'm just oh, wondering, pleasure. Mike, if you were about to jump out and get yourself one of those Don Johnson yes, suits. Yes, yes, I have to confess, I, I don't own one anymore. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thanks, everybody, for tuning into this episode. And, uh, of course, join us again next week for another episode of how to put your stories to work bye for now anecdotally speaking was engineered by day stokes from author to audio